0: you in the
1: 06010. Fantasy Focus. Fantasy. Fantasy Focus is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. It's May 10th and we are back on video. This is fun. Everybody has to see us for the next hour or so. Field, Stefania, Mike, Daniel. For those of you that are hanging out on the YouTube stream or watching this on demand, Make sure that you check out live as much as possible because Kyle is in the YouTube chat right now interacting right. with those that want to be a part of the show, which is yeah, great. Is. Hello, Kyle. Hey. Our man. There's Kyle Soppy, who is but about, I don't know, do eight it. feet no from us, but <laughs> he is about you know, a wall uh, blocking us. Uh, but we are going to be talking about a lot of stuff today. Uh, we have a bit of housekeeping that we'll get to in just a moment. We're going to be discussing breakout players for 2023. Mike and I wrote an article that came out just after the draft discussing 10 players that profiled as potential breakouts. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do something that I think is going to be very fun. I often talk about Whoa, this. I did wait, show, hold on. Are you saying uh, our
2: article was not fun? So no, yes. it was fun. I it was hold fun. on. It was I, fun. It was, was, was yeah. smack-talking. Sure, so. right. right, so that's I, why I it, was it. it was not fun for you. It's not quite figures. as fun <laughs> for me, but we're
1: going to do something that I think will be interesting then, just like that Breakouts article there was interesting, Mike. Much, I like that. Okay. We're going to have a conversation in which we're going to make the case for every player that we think has a credible case for being taken number one overall. I'm not saying that we're going to take these players number 1 overall in any of our drafts. So I think we have an idea of who the 3 or so most likely players are that are going to go number 1. But if you wanted to think outside the box, go against the grain if you will, we have some other targets in mind and Some of the cases are a bit flimsier than others, but it should be an interesting exercise to tackle. But so housekeeping news, uh, you guys have been listening to us, and thank you for doing so on uh, the podcast form, uh, audio only for the past few months. We're now going to be back on YouTube plus Twitter, Facebook, and the ESPN app every Wednesday, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's live, so if you want to watch us while you're at work or at school or anything uh, let us know. We'll be here one to two every Wednesday. Should be a lot of fun. You Stop doing
3: be, what you're
0: doing. Yeah. <laughs> you watch the places us. where people should probably be paying attention I, well, to what you, they're you doing. Can cover no big it up, deal. Because, you
3: know, computer. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe
1: you have a job that doesn't require <laughs> your a doctor, if attention. If you're driving, yeah. If, yeah, you're, like if, flying you're, flying if you're a plane. <laughs> okay, maybe, <laughs> those maybe not so much those, right? But like, if you, um, you know, if you're the person that handles tickets at a parking garage. And you only interact with people (laughs) when someone actually exits the garage. That might be the kind of job which you could sit down and watch a live stream for the majority of the one hour that we are on. Or if you're quiet
2: quitting. Just <laughs> and <laughs> the of the I mean, that too. <laughs> I mean, I can see. I can, I can think of nothing that. better to do. That's
1: putting than fantasy football. And by the way, speaking of fantasy Mike, football, if you want to get invited if you it. want to get invested in the 2023 season, the 2023 fantasy football game is live right now. So you can go ahead and sign up and create leagues if you want to get excited for the upcoming year ahead. You have the liberty to do so. Thank Remember yeah. that you don't have to have a group of people that you know are going to be a part. Of your league, you can join a public league where you can meet up with nine strangers and maybe become friends. And next thing you know, you have a league that exists. In perpetuity. But leagues the- are back open for those that want to get started on their 2023 prep.
2: You know how I like to talk about how awesome I am? And I wrote like 350 profiles. And they're in the game now. We just heard that. Y- wow. Thanks to our editing team. They're all in there. Beautiful offense. The, uh, Jim McCormick did some defense as well. So defensive players. They're all defense in there. Defensive players. Rookies. Defensive April. rookies. Wow. The all rookies. April. Every rookie yeah. that was drafted is in there. On the Mike, as uh, always. I
3: got some vacation reading to do.
2: You do. There you <laughs> go. Mike, as always, Someone just a
1: total me. grinder for this show. We love it. And Mike is the engine behind ESPN Fantasy. I mentioned the breakout, so we're going to start there. So I think mm-hmm. the breakout, it's important to establish this. We don't have like a textbook definition of what a breakout player is in fantasy football. It might be a little bit interpretive, right? What might be what you see is different than what I see as a breakout. And definitely what. Daniel season, that yes. than us. That's possible. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's very possible. Like pick up a
2: player that definitely broke wow. out already. That's so like, let's mm.
1: oversimplify this a little <laughs> yes. bit. And we'll talk about players that based off how they performed last year, we expect to see a step forward, mm-hmm. a significant step forward for them this upcoming season. I'm going to start with a player that I know we've talked about before. And I know that a lot of people have talked about him because he is now the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Let's go. That's Garrett Wilson, who last season, of course, won the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had over 80 catches. He had over 1,100 receiving yards, but he had just four receiving touchdowns despite a bunch of end zone looks last season for the Jets. And this one's not that hard to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, awesome football player. Should be getting better with each year that goes by at this stage of his career, right? Who did he have under center last year? Most importantly, Daniel, he had the worst quarterback room in the NFL last season. A smorgasbord that included Zach Wilson and Mike White and Joe Flacco. And while White and Flacco did put up numbers, it was never consistent quarterback play from the Jets. And obviously, Zach Wilson, there's a reason why the Jets have now traded for Aaron Rodgers. So the upgrade from those three guys to whatever version of Aaron Rodgers we get is definitely a upgrade for Garrett Wilson, a star player. You don't have to overthink this one that much. Garrett Wilson, my first pick amongst the breakouts. You also have a wide receiver in mind, Daniel.
0: Yeah, I do. So when this idea came forward to me, Presley was like, hey, Mike and Field wrote this article. They basically took all the good players, so we need you to come up with two guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: So Just pick guys that already broke out. And so here's the going. thing.
0: Based on what Field yeah. just said, guys that didn't do well last year that I expect to break out this year, Calvin Ridley did not have any fantasy points last year. I just Zero. want to say this. Mm. Calvin Ridley... Right. We all know he's broken out. No joke. Like, you know, all jokes aside, he's been phenomenal. We've watched him be phenomenal in this Mm -hmm. league, but he basically hasn't played football in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually more than that. He only played five games uh, in 2021. So you've got a, a long chunk of time where you haven't seen Calvin Ridley be the Calvin Ridley that we knew that final year in 2020 with the Atlanta Falcons, where he had 90 catches. 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns. you yeah.
2: memorize those numbers. That's impressive. I've been practicing. 1,374, not five. That was impressive. No, that is impressive. Well,
0: well I've been watching suit over here try to get smarter, so I'm trying to be uh-huh. able to keep right. that in mind. Yeah. Got you. Uh, and so with all that, like, I, I look at this guy, right? This is a good passing offense. Top 10 in completion percentage, top 10 in passing yards. Like, they were in a spot where I see Calvin Ridley. I have him ranked as wide receiver 21. Right now, ESPN consensus outside the top 30 at mm-hmm. wide receiver. So when I look at that, I don't know if it's because I'm that much higher on Calvin Ridley. I'd love to know where you guys are at, mm-hmm. but I definitely see him beating that wide receiver 30 point. And I'm not worried about the last two years, which is why I consider
1: him a breakout candidate. Cause we haven't seen him in a while. One yeah. of the hardest players to place in rankings. Oh yeah. Right? No and that goes beyond the fact that as you noted, Daniel, we haven't seen him for two years. Mm-hmm. If you were to enter this past off season and the Jaguars had not previously traded for Calvin Ridley, Would you have said wide receiver was a need at all?
2: No, pretty much no, right? Jones were pretty good. You had Christian Kirk, you had Zay
1: Jones. I know that Marvin Jones obviously returned to the Lions, but for the most part, you felt pretty good about where their group of pass catchers was. You factor in Evan Ingram, and you'd say to yourself, like, no, like I think that probably like attacking the defense is maybe where Jacksonville's going to want to end up going. Mm -hmm. Maybe addressing the offensive line a little bit, which they did in the first round of the NFL draft with Anton Harrison. Wide receiver would not have been near the top of the needs for the Jaguars. Now, they had also gotten Calvin Ridley for what could end up being a significant discount. He's got to actually play, and there's a reason why the trade with Atlanta included a conditional pick because it's all dependent upon how available Calvin Ridley is and if he signs a new deal with the uh, Jaguars uh, to keep him beyond this upcoming season. If all things go right for Calvin Ridley, he's the best pass catcher on this offense. And the sky might be the limit for him. Yep. The question we have is, is Christian Kirk going to see a major regression in targets, Mike? Is Evan Ingram mm-hmm. going to become the player he was for the first half of last season? Is Jay Jones going to be the guy that he was prior to his semi-breakout with the Raiders before mm-hmm. last year with the Jaguars? Mm-hmm. Is who's going to suffer if Calvin Ridley steps up?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And look, Ridley, we've only seen his ceiling once. I mean, he's entering his age 28 season with right. one top 20 fantasy season. Yep. One, and he's going into his age 28 season. So but, by the way, when he was that year. And when he had that, that was the year, the first year Julio Jones was gone, right? So he has does a, a lot more competition now than he did then. So I believe uh, in the talent, but... But
3: age 28 is not age 28 like it is for other wide receivers sure. who've been playing consistently. Like you get the fresh legs, you get a, 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 basically a fresh Calvin Ridley, I think, not mm-hmm. to mention a fresh start with a new team where I think he it, it's going to be a better fit for him right now. Um, and a quarterback who is who's made great strides over the last year. Oh, so yeah. I think the setup for him is excellent.
2: Yeah, to your point, though, Field, I mean, if he finishes wide receiver six, we're like, all right, you know, I could see that. But if he finishes, you know, misses a couple games, which has been an issue, he's missed a lot of games even when, you know, before all this uh, went down with the suspension. But if he finishes, you know, 51st and misses four games, like, I don't think we're shocked by that either, right? Which yeah, is fine. Yeah, other there's there's a there.
1: big, certainly, I know we use this phrase a lot, but there is a wide range of outcomes for Calvin Ridley. And I do think, though, that, However far, like if he jets way up the wide receiver rankings or if he jets up the way up, way up the wide receiver scoreboard, it means that somebody else is not returning ADP because right. the way the other two right. guys are being drafted right now is that they're going to be not exactly where they were last year. Spread Christian Kirk around, is not yeah. being drafted where he where he finished yeah. last season, but they're going to be drafted or they're going to be overdrafted if Calvin Ridley ends not, up as a top 10 wide nothing. receiver.
3: Jacksonville was one of the best teams last year in terms of lost time due to injury. One of the, they were either Love one that. or two in the league. So. Okay. And so he's not hopefully. coming
0: back off of an injury because that injury happened in 2021. Stefania, last year was just a suspension. So like you said, his body should be fully healthy.
1: Should be healthy. It's a great story too. We'd love to yep. see this player bounce back. I thought that his profile in the players Tribune really hit with a lot of people. It really mm-hmm. resonated. And Calvin Ridley has... He is a man on a mission right now. That much is for sure. Uh, quarterback is often the position where we see that year two breakout, Mike. And yes. you had one in mind. And well, if you think about it, there's, I think, only literally one, one. second-year starter.
0: <laughs> that is correct.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's the only
1: one
0: quarterback picked oh. in the first round last season. First-round starter. First yes. round, yeah. yeah. Uh, Who else so second-year starter? Desmond Ritter, I think, is going okay. to yeah. officially start. Yeah. Good yeah. call. Starter. Yeah, good call. Fair. I forgot um, about
2: him. Yeah, but you're yeah, first round quarterbacks going into year two, that's the big breakout mm-hmm. age. We've seen that over and over and over and over and over going back the past five, ten years for sure. So uh, I'm looking at Kenny Pickett, right? He's fairly really cheap. You can get him late in drafts. He's in this Pittsburgh offense that is pretty good supporting cast. The offensive line is much better now. You have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens also going into year two. Pat Fryermouth there. They bring in Allen Robinson, Najee Harris out of the backfield, right? Yeah. So the supporting cast is around him. And look He really struggled last season, right? He was not a very good fantasy quarterback. Find his best weekly finish was 12th. But you look at his 10 full games, he was top seven in carries and rushing yards. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can kind of get you to sneak into the top 10 of quarterbacks. So if he makes that leap in year two, which quarterbacks often do, and he has a supporting cast around him and he has Mike Tomlin uh, running that team, I think there's reasons for optimism here that he could pay off and be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. I'm I'm proud of you for
1: making this pick, Mike. You know why? Because Because so often... No, no, no. I no. Mean, I'm a little cool. I said this in the article. I'm cooler on Pickett than you are, but sure. so often I know that your your approach to fantasy is is analytically driven, right? It's here are the five numbers that suggest a breakout is possible this upcoming season. And that was just like players off to make a leap in their second season, has a good supporting cast around them, good enough athlete, the potential for a prolific passing game like that, to me, was like – that was a
2: different side of it's Mike like, Clay right there. I hate your nerdy analysis, but this time – No, no, I <laughs> wasn't saying that. It. I think you're misinterpreting it it. I'm just saying, like, that
1: was nice to see, like, you sort of didn't... a curveball there from you, Mike Clay. I didn't I hear any know. numbers. And I'm going to go back to a player well, that – I'd wait. like to be
2: clear that my projection system has some some data in there that projects forward, like, mm. quarter, second-year quarterbacks, right? Okay. That's a baked in there a little bit. So, I don't gotcha. want to get too, like – I, don't want, I want to hurt you my. Analytics like, fan I was going to say, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so There's your now. army He's of analytics it. people in the, the <laughs> podcast. No, so like, so ah, we're like, ah, we're done with Clay. All two of them. Never have <laughs> that guy <laughs> back <laughs>
1: yet. All right, I'll talk about a player that uh, there's not many numbers to back up what he did last year that suggests he's going to be a breakout this season. But Kyle Pitts, uh, and I know, again, I mentioned this at the very top for a reason, right? Your definition of breakout might be different from somebody else's definition of breakout. This is the post-hype breakout for Kyle Pitts because he was a trendy pick last year to go as a top 15, top 20, top 25 player overall last season. And of course, he got hurt. He missed the last seven games of the year. But prior to that, he was bad. I don't know that we can possibly quantify this we probably can Mike oh, probably can. has I it totally. but his quarterback play last year <laughs> was the worst of any skill player in the NFL it was an absolute joke Marcus Mariota mm-hmm. was consistently off target maybe the second worst because I already used worst on Garrett Wilson when yeah. describing yeah. the Jets quarterback <laughs> room. So but too. basically it was one of the worst quarterback rooms in the entire NFL Marcus Mariota does some things well he is a fantastic athlete he's Played and started a lot of games. His off-target percentage last year was unacceptable. Multiply that by the fact that this team ran the football at a higher percentage of plays than anybody else in the NFL last year, and it was almost a setup for failure for Kyle Pitts. Now, if you're asking, are they really going to throw the football a whole bunch more this year? Not necessarily because they have B. John Robinson now added with the eighth overall pick, but I'm banking on Desmond Ritter not being an abomination because if he is, the Kyle Pitts thing is not going to happen and the Falcons will once again have made a massive error by passing on a quarterback with a top eight pick for three straight years. You are not as optimistic, Uh,
3: No. Where should I begin? (laughs) I mean, I'm not as optimistic because of what we saw in terms of how they ran the offense in Atlanta. Like, they were not interested in throwing to Kyle Pitts. When they did, there may have been a high off-target percentage, but They were interested in throwing to their running backs, which is why we love B. John Robinson. We'll talk about that later. But I don't think – I I haven't seen enough to suggest that this offense is going to change dramatically enough to make me really excited about what Kyle Pitts will do. Then there's the health issue. Yeah, I I think everybody just assumes it is going to be fine because he went – way with an MCL injury and he had surgery. It already tells me it's a little bit more complicated um, just because he had to have a surgical procedure. It's not necessarily the norm with an MCL certain kinds. Yes. But, and then it's been awfully quiet, awfully quiet. And then the first move they made in free agency and it was pretty early was to go get Johnnie Smith. And you can say that's because they want depth and they might say it's because they want depth or they want different options for how they run their offense. But to me, they need somebody to be there in camp to practice at the tight end position. And what if Kyle Pitts isn't ready? Maybe he will be. There's still a lot of time to unfold. We're only in May. But I do have some genuine concerns. Also, if you look at his yard, it was he was averaging 60 yards. Uh, I think I got, I got this from um, Thirsty Kyle. 60 yards game to 30 yards a game from year one to year two. So I have a hard time seeing him go back... I, I just don't know. The he's
1: 22. Yeah. He's the, quite literally the best athlete we've ever you seen.
3: You can be a great athlete and be in a bad situation. Yeah, I, I don't
2: yeah. think he's in
1: the right... But put I him, on a, put him was, in another was place. Was target year really that dispiriting to you last it year? He had
2: 77%. T- Mark Andrews was number one at 28%. He, yeah, just, won he out. just never he threw the ball. They're time saying. out, that's a thing. Yeah, like target yeah. share yeah, is target deceiving rela-
0: 27 of, of 12 yeah. a percentage
3: yeah. relative to the amount of the yeah. run plays
2: versus passes. Like London
0: both had really high target shares sure, in comparison yeah. but to but what the you point would expect. Is if
2: they balance out the offense and that target share Continues is similar s- to that. If s- they balance s- out the offense.
1: Six targets a game s- in a terrible year is not a bad... like that's not a dispiriting number, is it? Am I missing something here? Six for targets ta- per game. Six targets per game for a tight end. That's over hundred in a season. I guess it depends on, on the quality of those of targets, is.
0: right? Like that's the thing. The quality that's of the, the targets. Mariota is a part okay. of that.
1: Well, the bottom line too is that you're not I'm getting, not getting you him. Though, you're not getting like. him is like in like the twenty second or twenty third pick, right? Like Kyle Pitts is now going as I believe tight end six and ADP. Like you're getting a pretty significant discount on the guy, and
3: you're also counting on. So you're counting on all the things to break right. And I'm just saying, like, we, we'll we have this conversation in August. Obviously, it's May. Yeah. But I am not uh, as optimistic. Yeah. I can't aside, speak to
2: though, this health part. I agree part. on the post hype nature of this. Uh, yeah. you know, just I don't know. I'm going to bank concern. on the
1: athletic traits here. Like, just, I mean, freaky, yeah. I mean, quite literal. I mean, something about those Florida skill players in recent years in the draft. Obviously, this past year or this past mm-hmm. draft, Anthony Richardson has kind of reset the bar for quarterback athleticism. But Kyle Pitts is the bar for tight end athleticism. But not far behind him, Mike. A sneaky one in Tennessee. Who people don't—they probably don't know the name that much. But if you play fantasy football, you're familiar with how he played down the stretch last season.
2: Yeah, about this Chigo Conquo from week nine on, right? So we're talking about half the season last year. Okay, he was only playing about 37 percent of the pass plays, not the snaps, just the pass plays. 37 percent of the time. From week nine on, he was fifth at tight end and receiving yards. Wow. He was a lot more productive than I think people realize. The target share wasn't huge, but it was 13%. That's enough to get you into the tight end one conversation. But the efficiency was outstanding. When they threw the ball to him, he was terrific. Top two in yards per target, yards per catch, receiving yards after the catch. Austin Hooper's gone. They did not aggressively replace him. Yeah. Alconquo, and there was a recent quote of him saying, I expect to be the number one, right? So this is a, this is a, a guy with a lot of potential.
1: Two guys drove to work. Try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E.
2: Jets pizza, better because it has to be. And by the way, I'm told the Titans love the tight ends in this offense. I mean, have you have seen them the last few years? They always target that position. Yeah. Oftentimes it's spread out, but if he's the clear guy... And Trevon Wesco is their number two, who's more like a fullback, H-back, like uh, versatile like extra guy. extra offensive lineman. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. Oconquo is set up for a big season, and they got to throw it somewhere. Traylon they, Burks is their number they, one receiver, yeah, and they, then it's Nick Westbrook, and a lot exactly of That's exactly the thing.
3: There's not a huge yeah. uh, level of competition, you know, yeah. with their top receivers that have departed recently. Remember back in the old Delaney Walker days? <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like the tight ends in Tennessee were really Johnny valuable. John Smith? Yeah. His last year yeah. down there?
1: Yeah. All right, let's go to another tight end here, Daniel. A lot of tight ends in the breakout section. You have one that you added to the list today, and that is? Juwan Johnson. From the Saints.
0: Did I remind you guys that you guys took all the good players before <laughs> I was able to pick somebody? Hey, yeah. so, Juwan
3: Johnson's mom might be watching. You know what?
0: And I'm actually, <laughs> I, I want to be excited about Juwan Johnson. I'm thinking about Derek Carr coming over to this offense, mm-hmm. right? Since, since uh, <clears throat> we had Darren Waller join the Raiders under Derek Carr, He was tight end two in targets per game since 2020, right? So Derek Carr knows how to throw to the position. He knows how to utilize that position. Mm. Juwan Johnson had seven touchdowns last year. Obviously, pretty low numbers, pretty low usage across the board when you look at who he is. Inconsistent, yeah. He's also tight end 18, I think, right now when we look at our our tight end. So he costs you nothing. He's literally free. And the idea of, Mm. is this an offense with a quarterback that knows, knows how to utilize this position? where you can maybe find a little bit more value than where he's currently either being drafted ADP or his ranking. And I I just see him as a spot where he could outperform a little bit of that. I don't know if breakout is a full, like, you know, he's not going to be a top 10 guy, but can he break out to be a a usable fantasy piece on a weekend and week out basis? I think there's at least that possibility within this offense with Derek Carr under center. It,
2: yeah, I was going to say what's interesting about the Waller comp is Waller was drafted as a wide receiver. Juwan Johnson also entered the league as a wide receiver right. and they converted him to tight end. So, yeah.
1: right, so a, couple, a couple of things. Is, it should be noted, and Daniel, you made this pick prior to this news, but they did, did sign Foster Moreau today. Mm-hmm. Three-year deal to go down to New Orleans, reunite with Derek Carr. He's actually from New Orleans, it is Foster Moreau. So a Pump great story, by the way. Yeah. Awesome story for a guy recently was diagnosed with Hopkins. Hopkins lymphoma.
3: Hopkins lymphoma. <laughs> what did yeah.
1: I say, Hopkins? Yeah. Okay. Hodgkin's lymphoma. My bad there, Foster, but really happy that you are back on an NFL roster. And it sounds like he wants to play this year, so he should have a role. I think um, probably like the the most concerning, disconcerting part for Juwan Johnson is just like, go back and watch the game log last year. And it's so hard to find any level of consistency. Yeah, oh, and I'll I don't know that I can totally. bank on that yeah. this year. So uh, amongst there's a certainly a chance he outperforms that uh, tight end 18 ranking right now, but I'm not sure he's going to be the kind of guy that you can count on starting every single week let's wrap up with a couple of running backs here and i'll start with one mike it's uh rashad white you and i traded picks back and forth and i had rashad mm-hmm. white from tampa bay amongst my breakout picks and i've heard i think all the the pro and cons for rashad white the cons tend to at least to me uh seem to be frequently his poor rushing efficiency last year under four yards per carry for rashad whites behind what was a dreadful offensive yeah. line for a long time, like that was the Bucks. I know Tom Brady and I know Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but like the secret sauce was they had this dominant offensive line that should be able to move people in both the running game and the passing game. I think it'd be better this year. I do think it'll be better this year. We'll see exactly how they compose that offensive line. But the offensive line to me should be improved this season. Cody Malk, they drafted in the second round. They have Ryan Jensen healthy now. Tristan Worf might play left tackle. Like, I'm not as concerned about the rushing efficiency for Rashad White. And while I don't think his receiving efficiency will be, or at least the number of targets he sees this year will be the same as last year because the offense last year was just basically, like, snap the ball to Tom Brady and get it out as fast as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. I do think that Rashad White showed he's a very capable pass-catching back, and most importantly, play a game of who is the Bucks' backup running back. Yeah, Chase Edmonds. It's Chase Edmonds right now, a guy who was traded last year midseason as just basically flotsam in the deal for Bradley Chubb, right? Moreover, I saw people, and uh, I, I know our guy Jackson, one of our producers here, will tell you about Sean Tucker, the undrafted free agent in Syracuse. And I've seen some tweets that have noted the fact that he got a certain amount of guaranteed money it's an undrafted free agent, right? Like yeah. if he was that much of a priority for Tampa Bay, they probably would have used right. a late round pick on him. Dude. So the backfield depth chart is sized up nicely for Rashad White. I do want to ask you about that because
0: you're sort of like the insider guy for us. When I look at like post-draft undrafted free agents and teams are like, oh, we're going to give you a $100,000 guaranteed. How much do I read into that money understanding that like we often talk about follow the money? Is that the same kind of thing with UDFAs? Pretty much not. I mean, okay.
1: b- basically the you're only allowed to guarantee a certain amount of money to an undrafted free agent and typically the undrafted free agents that get the most amount of money it's almost like you're buying their practice squad season from them because if you waive them and then sign them to your practice squad the amount that they make is going to equal out over the course of the year to about what that maximum guarantee often is so when you see guys it tends it's like He's going to have a $222,000 salary guarantee. It's like... Practice squad money, Mm -hmm. plus a little bit extra maybe. But I wouldn't read too much into it. Again, I would have read more into it if he was a six-round pick for Tampa Bay. Right. Instead, he was an undrafted free agent. He was a really good player at Syracuse and certainly could make the roster. But he had some medical stuff that he was working through during the pre-draft process, which is why he didn't have his pro day until like a week before the NFL draft. So I'm tempering expectations there. Just feels like a really good role right now for Rashad White. Even though this offense is extremely unpredictable, Mike, not the case in Kansas city, because you know, they're going to be good.
2: Yeah, we do know they're going to be good. And uh, Isaiah Pacheco, speaking of guys who were, you know, yep. A- acquired with very little capital last off season, went mm-hmm. on to be, uh, have a role right away. Yeah. And then by mid season was basically their lead rusher down the stretch. He was playing over 60% of the snaps. And uh, actually over the la- the final nine weeks of the season, he was fifth in rushing in the NFL. Yeah. Now the problem was he was a non-factor in the passing game. He was 27th at fantasy points during that span. So Nine targets in 10 games isn't going to cut it. That needs to increase. We saw a little, there was like one game in there where you had like three or four targets. If we can get to that number week in and week out, uh, Pacheco can really have a breakout this season. But even if he doesn't, even if he's like Nick Chubb level targets, if he's going to get 250 some carries and goal line work in this Chiefs offense there's a, a shot for him to be a top 20 running back. So I think there's a lot to like here. They did re-sign Jarek McKinnon. He's kind of a winner after mm-hmm. the draft because they didn't acquire anyone through the draft, but they brought back Jarek McKinnon. Not too worried about that. We know in his early 30s, McKinnon kind of has a ceiling. He'll be involved in the passing game and not uh, a threat as to carry the ball a ton. So I, I think Pacheco but, set up pretty nice. But nicely. he
3: is a threat for touchdowns. Well, he yeah.
2: caught. he caught... McKinnon's like one of six running backs in NFL history to score that many touchdowns as a running back. So at you're the telling air, me that's, regression. He might catch two this year. Like, <laughs> no. It'll probably be more than that in this I offense. I know but. that
3: it's only going to be two. They love him <laughs> in, that, in that offense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they were they were Very lucky.
2: Who scores to more touchdowns discount? this
0: year? Is it going to be Jerry McKinnon or is it going to be CEH? Backing up, as? i
2: McKinnon probably yeah, go with McKinnon, to say I like CEH but
1: yeah we'll see it. but that, that he's another mystery by the way CEH was point, banged yeah. up for the entire season but I'm with you Mike I think Pacheco like I think you gave the appropriate amount of confidence behind Isaiah Pacheco taking a step forward mm-hmm. without overdoing it, right? No no one's accusing Mike of having him as a top 12 running back going into the season, but a step after, forward. Yeah, uh, he? Derek
2: Henry or Pacheco, do you got PPR or not? <laughs> we'll get uh, into that in a second. Uh, <laughs> I don't, does it matter? Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll talk about Isaiah Pacheco going number one overall uh, in our next segment. But uh, again, you can find this entire article on ESPN.com. There are a handful of other names that we did mention mm-hmm. in there. And one of the, uh, the, the, the tricks, of doing the exercise like during the draft, which is when Mike and I were going back and forth on email for these players is that transactions do take place that influence your breakout picks. Ken Walker, the third was going to be the lead of the article. And then all <laughs> of a sudden they drafted Zach Charbonnet, but we adjusted on the fly and gave you 10 names that might be useful for you. All right, let's dive into something that I am looking forward to. And this is I don't know. I, don't, I can't recall when uh, this idea came up as a potential segment, but I I have remarked on this that I often am asked who is the player that you want to draft number one overall in fantasy this upcoming season. It's the question that I get asked more than any other during the NFL offseason, and I get it, right? The first pick can be very consequential, and if you miss on it, it's not ideal. But I've also realized over the years of analyzing fantasy football that there can be players that have a legitimate case to be the number one overall pick, and you don't have to go with consensus. So our idea here was to list every player that we could think of that had a credible case of going number one. Let me be clear. If I have the number one overall pick, there are some players that we are going to mention that I will not be taking with that number one overall pick. If I have the number one overall pick in 10 leagues, it might be that I only draft three of these players with those number one overall picks, but in a world in which I wanted to go against the grain or do something a bit different, here are some players that will also make the list. So I'll team up and we kind of just ping pong them around the room and see what people think. And I'll start with the one that probably needs no introduction because I think he's going to end up being the number one overall pick in a lot of leagues. It's Justin Jefferson, Jefferson who has in three seasons, at least 1400 receiving yards. He has the most receiving yards through three seasons in NFL history, double digit fantasy points in every game last year, the ultimate touchdown maker as well. He is the face of fantasy football in a lot of people's eyes, for 2023, I'm guessing absolutely no issue whatsoever with Justin Jefferson.
2: Not at all. Not all. How about this? How, as good as he's been the last two seasons, it, last year led the position like every category, and he was unlucky in the touchdown department. Yeah. His expected total was ten and a half. He had eight touchdowns. There was actually something left on the table last season, and his target share is just not going to change. If anything, maybe it goes up a tiny bit with no Adam Thielen there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in I'm with you. So I want to ask you my about my first that. overall pick.
0: as a part of that conversation because with no Adam Thielen they obviously drafted Jordan Addison in the first round but T.J. Upgraded. Hawkinson came on and was a yeah. really like he was a a big target guy. Did for it him. impact Justin Jefferson though? Nope. So that's my question. You don't feel like any there's no. Confusion or or worry about that with all of because they like the other pass catchers that they have too.
2: Yeah, Uh, and Jefferson like this offense has been so good the last three seasons. They're sixth in touchdowns. Actually, I think they're fifth in touchdowns or sixth since Kirk Cousins got there. So they score a bunch. Like they find the end zone a lot. And again, there's more. Like even if his targets went down by ten, he could you know if he gets a little luck in the touchdown department, he could have twelve or thirteen. But the volume he sees, I mean, I think he is the safest pick, which is a weird thing to say in fantasy football. Like no one's really safe. But he feels safe. I mean, the top 10 weeks he delivered last season, the targets, the touchdown opportunity, this offense there's just so much to love here. I just feel great about plugging him in there, taking your 20, 25 points a week and going from there. <laughs> there was a little
1: bit of a lull last year for Justin Jefferson, but the apex for Justin Jefferson is a league winner and it can happen any Sunday that he plays. Of course. Yeah. Next up, at least in my book will be Austin Eckler who had 107 catches last year for the chargers. He had 10 or more fantasy points in every game, except for the final week of the season when they kind of, sat their starters in some people's eyes too late in that game against the Broncos, but he didn't play that full game over the past two seasons. He has 38 touchdowns. How many he is, does second place have? <sighs> I'm going to guess
2: 25 close 26. Yeah. Who's Why? that? I don't, I don't know who's second. I don't know a second. That's a good guess. A good um, All I know is he has 12 <laughs> more probably than the second yeah. <laughs> <Jared> <laughs> <McKinnon> Probably um, <laughs> It's not him, but yeah. No, it's it's 38 touchdowns guy. over <laughs> the
1: past two years. <laughs> and that's obviously, like it's, as Michael tell us, it's not easy to go for 18 or 20 in back-to-back seasons. But even if that number is <laughs> cut did, in uh, half, <laughs> yeah. right? If that number is cut in half to nine, it's still a very serviceable total. I'd say if there is a concern for Austin Eckler, I'm ignoring the trade request for right now, because if it hasn't happened now, I'm not entirely sure that it's going Happen at any point. If there is like just a pinch of nervousness that I have surrounding Austin Eckler, it will be the coordinator change and Kellen Moore, very aggressive play caller versus uh, where they were the past couple of years with Joe Lombardi, very conservative. Um, I think uh, Justin Herbert will be much more vertically inclined. My hope though is that that benefits. Mike Williams much more than it and Quinton Johnson for that matter. than it hurts Austin. Echler. Echler. It fair. also may
3: open things up for Eckler a little bit because they're going to have to pay attention to yep. an offense that looks pretty different. That is my big concern. Um, it's not really a concern because I think it's going to benefit the Chargers overall in terms of what their offense looks like. But with Kellen Moore coming in, I think you're going to get a more creative vertical offense. And I wonder how that impacts what we see in terms of the number of touches for Austin Eckler. So yeah. just the opportunity but from a fantasy standpoint.
1: St- even if he comes back down a little bit from where he was last year, still so much upside for Austin Eckler. That receiving ability cannot mm-hmm. be ignored. We're two for two in terms of no real argument here, right? No, it yep.
2: could go either way. Now, Some people yep. just, I'm looking, you just want a running back and Additional you're committed. Value. To that in the first round with an early pick, you, Impler would be my pick if you had to go with a running back. And also, by the way, yeah, if you want
3: to talk about durability when it comes to running backs, he's one of the best. I mean, he's had a couple little dings here and there, which is going to come with that position. But if you want to be inspired, go watch some Austin Eckler training videos. Yeah. His reels on Instagram. There is nobody who works harder in the off season. I'm pretty pretty certain that it's you're going to be hard pressed to find. I like what Jonathan Taylor does too, but man, Austin Eckler's training regimen for what he does. And he is top of mind about keeping himself healthy. So he trains all with that. In mind. It's phenomenal. And uh, it, it kind of, it, if you're looking no running backs, like it's the most vulnerable position. So mm-hmm. it was always hard to spend that draft capital in your fantasy league on running back. Oh, you're yeah. always worried about it and you can't, Basically, erase every kind of injury that you could have. Mm -hmm. But if there's anybody who prepares himself the best possible way, it's that guy. All
1: right. Next up is Christian McCaffrey, who Mm. for several years there was the player that was often going number one overall without a whole lot of argument or debate. And he bounced back in a major way last year. Got traded mid season. Went to an offense with way more running backs than Carolina had. And continued to crush it in San Francisco. The receiving upside is so significant. 85 catches last year for Christian McCaffrey. And I, I feel like we always think about Christian McCaffrey mostly for the receiving ability, but check this number out. He has 60 touchdowns in 75 career games. Do 100. the math there, right? That's 0.8 touchdowns per game in his career, which is now into, I believe this is his seventh season upcoming for wow. Christian McCaffrey. So a guy that, or maybe six season, but still been playing for a long time and yes he got hurt during that two year stretch that really impacted his perception in terms of fantasy football but I know um, there's a lot of reason to believe in him I think the strongest counterpoint Mike is not injury because I think we have been proven time and again that injuries are often very fluky but the Elijah Mitchell impact and just remind people what it looked like with Mitchell when he was available late in the season.
2: Yeah. So he scored 14 touchdowns with the 49ers last season. 10 were in games (laughs) that Mitchell missed. It was about, it was about an even split. It was six games with six, seven games without. And, uh, the fantasy points per game difference was 27.1 without Mitchell. And when Mitchell played, it was 16.7. The carries were pretty much even most of the scores came without Mitchell. Even his targets were down a little bit, uh, it's not a large enough sample that I'm super worried, but is he going to lose some carries at the goal line to Mitchell? Is he going to see 10 carries instead of 16? I think Th- there's, is so there's a
3: couple things there. Number one, at the time, so Mitchell, just to reset, Mitchell was hurt when McCaffrey arrived. Yes. And so the, obviously, uh, when, and then Mitchell came back and they didn't – It it was kind of a balance between the two because McCaffrey was also dealing with a low-grade chronic issue, and they were worried about protecting him through the end of the season, which clearly they were playing into the postseason. Which they might want to do this year, though, right? right? True, but I don't think he necessarily comes in with that being an issue. So, yeah, they they have the ability to maintain balance on -hmm. their offense, but I don't I think it was deliberately structured. Like when Mitchell came back, it was like scaling McCaffrey way back. And I don't think it's going to be that drastic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Fair enough.
2: I mean, he's been top five in fantasy points per game, five straight seasons as far as floor goes at running back. Super high. High. Yeah, super, again, super high, yeah we're, again we're super year, i'm
1: just we're trying to I'm just trying to present the if if you were anti christian McCaffrey I think the strongest argument would be that if they do look for some yeah. more balance which Mitchell's an awesome player so it would make some sense to me that they try to try to strike a bit more balance that would be how that number one pick doesn't yield the return you're looking for fourth player in the ring is cooper cup who I know that cooper cup uh, got hurt last year but if you factor in Last season, and excuse me, you take away the, uh, his, his ninth game last year. That was when everything went to heck for that mm-hmm. Rams season, including Cooper Cup, getting hurt. Uh, that took place, but in the eight and the ninth game. In the eight games prior to that, he was averaging 24.8 fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. Best in the NFL and exactly where he was the year prior when he was the runaway most valuable player in fantasy football. People have a lot of questions about this Rams offense. That much is fair go look at the competition for targets beyond Cooper cup in LA. It is a very unfamiliar group of players that are going to be catching passes from Matthew Stafford. It feels like by far the best bet to see 10 targets in a game mm-hmm. every single Sunday at, this season.
0: At least I, I've, he was on pace for basically 200 targets last year. By the time that he got hurt, mm-hmm. yeah. he had 98 targets through the first nine games. Mind you, he got hurt <clears throat> in that ninth game. So, yeah it's unreal what he's able to do. Do you have any, I don't have any fear, but Mike, I want to know, do you have any fear about how bad the rest of this offense is when it feels like, Hey man, we just well, got to stop year. one guy and they weren't able to do that last year. Are they, they able to do keep that. doing that over and over? But, Eventually but, don't teams figure this out.
2: They've no. never been able to do that. Yeah, right. Number, they just have, during it, it, has an happened. Happened. it
1: never happened. The My Super Bowl own, run, it was like, what, what do we do? Double team? That didn't yeah. work. It didn't I work. think yeah. the biggest yeah. concern, the yeah.
2: biggest concern I think is that their roster is really bad and maybe things just fall apart and it's just over and, if he's not a hundred percent, maybe they they rest or they, they totally change yeah, like in weeks like
1: 14 and on. All of a sudden it's like, you know, I don't even know they're back. It quarterback all the time is, right? Right? I guess. Yeah. It's Stetson Betten. now yeah, who yeah. Uh, all of a sudden he takes over and yeah. he's a starter. But,
2: but, uh, but in terms of like
0: nine and it looks bad,
2: yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's, it might be worse than that. The way the roster yeah. looks now. But uh, here's the thing. If he, if you knew like, okay, maybe he was lucky. He's like 30 now, right? He's getting to that point where maybe there's a little bit of a drop off. But if you knew he was going to play 17 games this season, He is a really good case to be the first overall pick in the draft and certainly the number one receiver. I mean, think about this. Think about how good we were just talking about Justin Jefferson, right? We're going to talk about some other great receivers in fantasy. Over the last two seasons, Cooper Cup is averaging four more fantasy points per game than any other wide receiver, including Justin Jefferson. I mean, think about how dominant he has been. So it's just those underlying concerns that knocks him down. And he has missed a lot of time with injuries as well. But Absolutely, I mean, if you see our projections in the game, he's right there with Jefferson. It's, yeah, the game that he got over, hurt close.
1: snapped a streak of, of of ten or more fantasy points for Cooper Cup that went back something like twenty eight games or some mm-hmm. ridiculous figure for Cooper oh, yeah. Cup. He's so in a in game bank, that yeah. is very unpredictable, Cooper Cup is the definition of reliable. Mm-hmm. Next up, Jamar Chase, who again, Jamar Chase, I don't think we need to overthink this one all that much. He had ten or more fantasy points in every game he played last season. Uh, Two years ago when he was a rookie, we were talking about the brilliance of Justin Jefferson a little bit earlier on. The only player with more receiving yards as a rookie in the modern era of the NFL Than Justin Jefferson, it's Jamar Chase, 1,455 receiving yards. I I don't know that Jamar Chase will go number one overall in a bunch of drafts, but there certainly is a pathway to him being that number one wide receiver and being the best player amongst non-quarterbacks. I suppose the drawback or the, 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 the nitpicking points against Jamar Chase is that if you look at the wide receivers that we've talked about so far, He is the one that plays with the best supporting cast amongst other wideouts. Like there can be a T Higgin week. There can be a couple of Tyler Boyd weeks here or there. They could also run the football into oblivion in a given week behind what should be a better offensive line and a capable running back in
2: Joe Mixon. Yeah, super pass, second pass heaviest offense in the NFL last season. That's good. And I don't think that's going to change. I think that'll sustain itself. But what the thing that makes me feel good about his ceiling to potentially be worth the number one pick is that. We finally saw that separation from T Higgins down the stretch last season, right? Where it was like his first year was kind of a wash in terms of targets last year. Once he came back and once Higgins was healthy and they were on the field together, you started to see that it was the chase show, especially late in the season. He kind of asserted his dominance in that department. So that's a really good sign. It makes me feel good about chase that he continues that progression. Didn't just level off as like an okay wide receiver one, but like a guy that 30% target share, double-digit touchdowns, It can be that elite guy.
3: Get this. In weeks one through seven, his line was 47 for 605 and six touchdowns. If you projected – remember, he got hurt. He Mm. had the hip hip injury injury. that that cost him a lot of time. If you projected that out, he was on pace for 114, 1469, 15 touchdowns, would have put him in second place behind Justin Jefferson and ahead of Tyreek Hill. So had he stayed healthy, which, of course, you know – that's that could be anybody in it, right? This year could be Justin Jefferson's year for having an injury history. But Jamar Chase, pacewise, was destined to be the number two wide receiver despite having competition for pass catching.
0: And Mike, you said that he this was the second pass heaviest offense in the NFL yes. last year. So Jamar Chase in the second pass heaviest offense in the NFL had 40 percent of his team's end zone targets being targeted in the not red zone end zone target. What does yeah.
3: Joe Burrow said about throwing? Remember his little thing about just throw the ball up and throw it up to him, one. See
2: what happens. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't use T Higgins near the goal line, which is surprising. He's six, four. Like you would expect that that hasn't happened. And Chase is still the guy down there.
1: All right. Tyree kill is the next up. So we are five for five right now. And players that we feel uh, there's not much argument over Tyree sure. kill is next up and Tyree kill last season had over 1700 receiving yards. I wanted to pull up a stat from our buddy Kyle Dvorak over at uh, NBC Sports Edge, and he noted that in 13 games played last year for Tyreek Hill with Tua, 21.42 fantasy points per game and nine receiving touchdowns.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com
3: Your happy price, price
1: line. In the other games without Tua, that number dropped from 21.42 fantasy points per game to 15.67 points per game mm. because he had zero touchdowns. Assuming Tua stays healthy, which I know people are going to have their opinions on that, but he's healthy right now and I expect him to be on the field when week one starts and Hopefully he's on the field for every game this season. This offense is the most explosive in the NFL, and no player is a better bet to have a 50-yard touchdown in a week than Tyreek.
2: Hill. Yeah, think about how good he was with Kansas City last year. He set career highs in target share, targets, catches, yards, and fantasy points. And by the way, <laughs> just to add on to that point, I've talked a lot about that that, that split with and without Tua. Jalen Waddle, his numbers, by the way, awful without. Uh, they Tua really share the really take. good with Tua, but they combined for 15 touchdown catches last season. Those two, zero, yeah, zero were with with two out of the lineup. They scored all of them. Tyreek had one rushing touchdown when when two was out. That's it. All right, so we will rip to a
1: couple more here. Devontae Adams is next up, and I want to establish the baseline for Devontae Adams over the past five seasons, one of which included him playing just 12 of 16 games. Over the past five seasons, he has 106 catches, 1,365 receiving yards, and 12.2 touchdowns per year. That's the average over the past five years. This guy is going to absolutely vacuum up targets because he always does. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I know he had a rapport with, with Derek Carr. He'll have a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo by about tomorrow, whenever the first time they have the chance to work out together in an official capacity, a hundred catches last year. He's one of the best touchdown makers in all of the NFL. They play in a highly competitive division. They're going to have to throw the football a ton this year. Again, in Las Vegas, Devontae Adams could easily be wide receiver one. He has been before. It should surprise nobody. If he gets there again.
2: Yeah. More high percentage targets coming his way. More like the Aaron Rodgers years, right? The catches I think go up. Touchdowns may go down a little bit. And uh, yards per catch will go down, right? Last year was kind of a unique usage for him. It was more downfield work. Uh, With Aaron Rodgers, it was more in the intermediate area. I think we'll see more of that with uh, Jimmy G under center. All
1: right, here is where things get interesting. Hold on. Can I say one thing real quick? (laughs) I'm so
2: sorry. I meant to jump in before you did that.
0: I think it's really interesting that our, our list, as we've talked about it, has basically been Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and two running backs. Yeah, we're not done yet, though. If you look at the top 10 last year, the top 10 scoring players from last year in points per game, six of them were wide receivers, four of them were running backs, but two of those running backs had over a hundred targets, which means you're really looking at eight pass catchers inside the top 10. Mm -hmm. This list is specifically loaded with pass catchers and guys that can catch the ball at the top for a reason. I don't think that's a mistake. The reason that we have it listed this way. So I know we're getting to the next territory, but for me, when I look at it, those passing game, that this is where it starts to get a little bit dicier because everyone else up until this point has a massive passing game role that I think leads them to a potential top 10 season. Mm
3: Well, I don't know that we're done with that. We're not done yet, that's right. And <laughs> here's where it gets and the next fun. guy. Next to me it's really it gets interesting. Fun.
1: Here's where it gets really fun. So social media is this crazy powerful thing that all of us are very aware of and spend a lot of time on. At the same at the same time, I'm not sure that anybody ever established a playbook for social media other than one rule is you want to get the people going. You want the people to be talking about what you are posting about. At some point, I can't remember if it was on this show or somewhere else here at ESPN, I made a comment about how there is a case in which our way in which I could see Bijan John Robinson going number one overall in fantasy football drafts. Sure. I didn't think it was that spicy of a take. It made its way onto the ESPN NFL Instagram account. And it got the people going and people were fired up. A lot of people had some not so nice things to say about your old friend right here, me.
2: What? Well, that's okay, Mike. They're entitled to that. Maybe if they say maybe if they thing. put a picture of you wearing that shirt next to it, <laughs> hey, then, no. then it that would have been. been like, this is a great shirt. Shout out i I'm actually surprised it. I love it.
3: because most of what I've seen on social is
1: echoing that. Okay, so maybe there are some people that echo this thought. But this was the motivation for this idea is that I am not saying that if I had the number one pick in this arbitrary fantasy league that we just made up on this spot right now, I would be taking B. Shawn Robinson, but could I be talked into it? Of course I could. Mm-hmm. And B. John Robinson, the case here is down the same line that you have heard probably many times before that he's the next Saquon Barkley, that the proof of concept is not what he's done in the NFL, but what he did at the college level and where he was drafted. Saquon second. B. John, eighth overall. We talked earlier about how the Falcons just keep running the football all the time. Fifty-one percent of their called play last called plays last year were runs. That was the highest in the NFL. And we can debate the merits of using a first-round pick in the real draft on a running back and whether it's a good team-building philosophy or not. All I can tell you is that the fastest way to work against that pick is by not running the crap out of that player mm-hmm. from the moment you draft him. Beechon Robinson should should have 300 touches this year. Mm-hmm. 300, That's you do the math, that's not even 20 per game. The number could be closer to 350 if it were me making the decisions at the control panel of the Falcons offense. Very good runner, good offensive line, good enough pass catcher, very capable pass catcher was yeah. B. John Robinson, even though he only had 19 catches last year. I know that number is not reflective of how capable he is. He could could lead the NFL in touches this year, lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns this year and be the highest scoring running back in
2: fantasy. Yeah. Najee Harris just led the NFL in touches two years ago as a first round running back. But you know, I'll go further than Barkley. I mean, since 2012, six running backs have been drafted in the top 10. All of them were top 15. The worst one was actually Saquon Barkley in points per game. And he was barely used as a rusher that season. All the others were up there and actually three of the six were top five in fantasy points per game as rookies. Right. So the argument you see often is, and I picked him in our mock draft and that was on, I picked Bijan in the middle of the first round, our mock draft, and that was on social media too. And I saw, and the argument's always the same. It's, how could you draft a guy in the first round that's never played a game well put, how how'd it go stop. if you drafted all these yeah. other guys right. the la- right. over the last decade it worked out pretty good there's a reason they went in the top 10 it's because the field's point they're going to be feature backs right well, away they should be right they should be yeah and they, oh, and they are though I but you they, they are right. you, they are the, the yeah, sorry go ahead
3: no i was gonna say you're putting him in the offense that runs the ball so you know they're just going to be utilized that yeah. way but also desmond ritter when he came in last year had a higher target for target share, or was targeting the running backs more frequently than Marcus Mariota. So uh, about 10% more frequently, actually. And so Mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson, who's already described himself as an offensive weapon, that's what he came into the draft Pointing out that he was not just a running back; he was an offensive weapon. I think that's why they brought him there. No we idea, saw that yeah. they they would do that with Cordarrelle Patterson. We saw that they would they would do that um with oh god, now I can't think of his name. Tyler uh,
0: Algeer, Caleb oh,
2: yeah, I mean, Avery <laughs> Williams—they were all getting targets yeah. last year. Right, 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 right. But yeah.
0: Falcons offense scored a hundred uh, scored, averaged one hundred and fifty nine point nine rushing yards per game with Tyler algier Cordero Patterson and Marcus Mariota Mm -hmm. now you add in (laughs) Bijan Robinson who led the FBS in the last two years in rushing touchdowns he also has more forced missed tackles over the last three years. He also has more yards after first contact. He does. It's not like he just does one thing where he's like a a bruiser that can get in the end zone. He's a special no. player. He can like the fact that you're missing right. tackles, you're he's forcing missed tackles. He does everything. So if they were able to do that last year, imagine with somebody that is actually as good as B. John Robinson, and it's nothing
1: against Tyler Algier or those guys. They're actually it's just a totally different setup. The two most frequent counterpoints that I think you'll hear is one, what Mike has already mentioned: How can you draft a guy that hasn't done it before? Two, the Falcons over the past two years have drafted Kyle Pitts fourth overall and Drake London eighth overall and not exactly maximize them through three combined <laughs> yeah. seasons. Third time's the charm. Yeah, the stench of what the Falcons have done over the past two drafts is probably yeah. going to carry on to Bijan. So that to me is what I expect to hear from... Most frequently, and that's fine. If that pushes Bijan down the boards just a little bit cool. and helps my draft status, yeah. I'll feel very good about I it. I
3: have, I, I have, I believe very much that what's going to happen. So Mike surprised me in that mock draft because I thought I was going to have a chance of getting him, and I had the tenth pick. Mm. And Mike got him, and I was like, ah, I think by the time we're talking, like right before the season, this kid's going to top three. Yeah,
2: that's All the right. thing. That was going to be my final point, which is. Let's be clear. If you want B. John Robinson yeah. and you're picking first overall, yeah. you need to spend that pick on B. John I mean, it sure Robinson. Did. It's the only chance Use you have. He will not make it back it. to you. All
1: right. Let's keep going here to the only tight end that is anywhere close to this conversation. Mark right, here is Andrew. George. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. it is Travis Kelsey, of course, of the Kansas city chiefs who last year had 110 catches, but more importantly, if you just took away his position and you just threw him into the flex consideration, he'd be the eighth highest scoring player amongst flex considerations this past year. So he is right in the vicinity of elite wide receivers and elite running backs in terms of overall scoring. He rarely misses games, does Travis Kelsey. He had at least 10 fantasy points in every game last year again until week 18 when he had 9.8. So he really kind of screwed you in week 18 when he (laughs) only had 9.8. But it's not just about the fact that you're getting a ton of points from Travis Kelsey is that you are getting a decided edge, the most robust edge that you can get in fantasy football at a position with Travis Kelsey over the field, even in a time in which you've got guys like Mark Andrews and George Kittle and Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson and some really, really good tight ends. Last season, Travis Kelsey averaged 5.2 points per game more than any other tight end. So even when you have the second best tight end in your league, whoever that is, or at least last year, you were still five plus points behind the minute you face Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're somebody who played the tight end carousel and one week you're starting Pat Friermuth or something and he gets you two for 17 and Kelsey goes off for 10, 112 mm-hmm. on a touchdown. And a touchdown. Yeah. It is about dominating the tight end position and not having to worry about a position that causes us to worry a whole bunch during the season. And we've had this stat. This is from thirsty Kyle. He's given us to this in
0: uh, podcast pass, but the gap between Travis Kelsey at tight end one to tight end two, which was TJ Hawkinson was 100.9 fantasy it's points. So 100.9. That so disparity ridiculous. is so huge. Just to satisfy your curiosity, because I know you guys are wondering, <laughs> yes. what's the next biggest gap, right? I think it's like in the it's 20s. It's quarterback, yeah. and it's yeah.
3: 21.9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 21 it's versus 100. Yeah. Like yeah. It, And the, that's the proof that it's not like just a couple big weeks. It's right. consistently, because you can't have that big of a differential. And the other thing is, we were just talking about offensive weapon. Travis Kelsey is exactly that. So he and Patrick Mahomes, there's a great podcast that was uh, ESPN Daily where they they talked about this, how he and Mahomes because Travis Kelsey played quarterback before, just his understanding of the position, and they've developed this rapport which is why Andy Reid lets them go totally off script and do things that are not, like he doesn't even necessarily call up the play because they have that. You can't factor that in. It doesn't work in Mike's projections. (laughs) This is this thing Mm. that exists with them that it was why he's able to create plays even though we talked about Cooper Cup they know it's coming they still can't cover him same thing with Travis Kelsey I know Mike you're gonna tell me there's no way this continues I feel like he is gonna be my Marshawn Lynch of tight ends until the wheels fall off Mm -hmm. I am not gonna give up on Travis Kelsey I'm gonna believe he's gonna do this until he's just not playing anymore and we know he's playing so
2: yeah, my point's oh my. actually probably going to go against yours because that was that is the question, right? OK, he did that last year. He had 100 more points in the next guy. And usually when that happens, it comes back to earth. Right. But if you oh, look at Eckler. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, well, I going to say, look, if you look at the state of the tight end position, I mean, Kelsey's situation still looks just as rosy as last year. A lot yeah. of question marks, you know, still high scoring, uh, high scoring, pass heavy offense with wide receiver questions. It's all pretty much the same. Other guys behind me could argue have more competition, like yep. Mark Andrews. Suddenly, you have more wide receivers there. And even TJ Hawkinson, they drafted a quarterback wide question receiver. marks in San Francisco. Exactly. I mean, you and can all argue that Wallers the gap is the same. I mean,. Yeah. It, that's the that's the argument for him in the middle of the first round, and he's certainly justifiable.
1: All right, last two here, and they are familiar names. Uh, one, I think, will actually spark some controversy. Derrick Henry. I don't think it's gonna spark that much controversy. Henry, of course, in the final year of his contract with the Titans, over the last four seasons, this is just ridiculous. Twenty-two point seven carries per game for Tra- for Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. and over those last four seasons, he's played in fifty-five games. He scored fifty-six rushing touchdown. No player has a bigger workload than Derrick Henry. Daniel mentioned how in the top scores amongst non quarterbacks last year, the common thread for them was catching passes. Derrick Henry did see a beefier passing game role last year, but has never been a dominant passing pass catching back. And yet he continues to produce. And Stefania just mentioned how she'll continue to support Travis Kelsey until the wheels come off and be a year too late rather than a year too Mm -hmm. early. I'm in the same school of thought with Derrick Henry, Mike.
2: Yeah, career highs in targets, catches, and receiving yards last year is big. Not only that, the efficiency was there. and suggest, he, he actually led all running backs in yards per target, and yards per catch, which exa- suggests, look, this worked. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep manufacturing touches for him. I don't expect that to change. And he might set another career high in targets this season. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'm with you. I mean, this guy, for a guy that hasn't had a lot of receiving work, to have the floor he's had, four straight top four finishes and points per game, I'm with you. I mean, it's just it feels like a safe play. When I was
3: at the Titans camp last year, he was talking about that was specifically something that he was trying to work on. Mm -hmm. He's trying to continue to grow his game, and that's what he did was he was working on his pass catch. Remember, he had come off a foot injury. A lot of people had questions Mm -hmm. about... Prove that he could get through a year was just fine as far as the foot goes, but he wanted to complement what he was doing on the ground, and so... I think there's only room for growth in the pass catching.
0: He's still 6'3, 240? Yeah, I mean, something ejected. like that. Yeah, give or <laughs> take. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. 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 So, yeah. The only, last one. Yeah, like the time is 29 years old. Yeah, right. Where he could drop off. You know, he's yeah. the oldest running back among the top guys. That's really the, the only knock you have on him. Okay, but and I realize we need to move on. Oldest
0: running back, but also he sat behind DeMarco Murray for what felt like four ah, hours. I'm not
2: going to buy that but just because there's been a lot of volume. Like his, the carry numbers are astronomical. Okay. So I let's mean, get the volume, to the, the last pick volume. here. Yep, the last wrong.
1: one here, which I, I'm, I'm prepared for the people to be upset by this one. And I think this is the flimsiest case out of all the players That's Jonathan Taylor, who of course, last year was the consensus 1.01, at least in I'm aware. almost everybody's mind. <laughs> yeah. And he obviously cratered in a major way. The argument for Jonathan Taylor was not just the elite production and the role and the great offensive line, but the fact that he had not missed a game since at least high school, maybe even further back than that. And then last year he kept getting hurt. It was an ankle injury that persisted for a good chunk of the season. He returned. Then he quickly left the game. It was a mess. The offensive line was a mess. The quarterback room was a mess. The offense stunk in general, A lot of those things seem to be heading in the right direction though this year. So if you are buying into Jonathan Taylor, the idea would be that you don't forget what happened in 2021. He is an incredible pass catcher. He's obviously a remarkable runner Mm -hmm. and if you think that Anthony Richardson can give this offense a shot in the arm and immediately they'll look better with Shane Steichen now as their new head coach then you can buy into it. But I think the biggest, I mean, there are a lot of arguments against Jonathan Taylor. I think for number one overall, we've presented them in the form of 10 other players, but like Why do it like if, I, if I'm if i going to take Jonathan Taylor at the first overall pick, I'd rather trade my pick and try to see if I can convince someone to give me pick eight or nine plus their second round pick for pick number one overall.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because his carry and target per game numbers from 2021 to 2022, almost exactly the same. Yeah. So his usage is very similar. The offense, your point was just a mess. The efficiency in the passing game is awful, but he actually got knocked a little in the projections with the quarterback change because uh, they're going to run the ball a lot with Anthony Russian Richardson. Yeah. And I'm worried about his size at the goal line, that, which could take, a, you know, think about Jalen Hurts, goals, right? Yeah. Like just Richardson's going to run it in instead of handing it to Taylor. That's a problem. And also, uh, there's a tendency with quarterbacks that run a lot. Think about a Lamar Jackson or Jalen hurts. You can go, let's go on, on throw the ball. They do not throw the ball to the running back very yes. often. They're more aggressive and Richardson fits that bill. He's going to be pushing it downfield. So, Uh, Taylor could struggle in the target department as well. I'm a little worried about his ceiling as well. And and I agree. I think that knocks him from the number one conversation. Are there
0: examples of running backs that have been successful within an offense that is sort of
1: built around a rushing quarterback? I think the farthest you'd have to go are the most recent example that I can think of off the top of my mind. And maybe there there probably are examples uh, since then. But like the best one that comes to mind is probably Michael Turner with the Falcons when Michael Vick was Mm -hmm. at the peak
2: of his powers. That's a long time. But Michael Turner
1: was like one of he was like baby Jerome Bettis, right for a stretch there. Like he was an absolute bruiser at like two hundred and fifty pounds.
2: And you weren't picking him first overall.
1: No. He was a really good player, but Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 not a problem. Like it's not a, not a quarterback problem. It's a, it's a fundamental system problem for the running backs. That's why JK Dobbins is going to be a tricky player to rank for as long as he is a great Super talented.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know how Mm -hmm. much you love him and his skill and all that, but it's just tough.
1: Yep.
2: You average six yards per carry and be 19th in fantasy points. Yeah, appear in seventeen games just because there's no passing game involvement and Jackson scoring all the rushing rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, so there you have it. That is a list of every player that we can come up with that we can make a case for as number one overall. If you have a different player, feel feel free to join the YouTube chat uh, at any time during the show every Wednesday, one to two p.m. Eastern time, or tweet at us at Fantasy Focus. We're looking forward to a whole bunch more video over the next few months here before we get back into our regular season cadence. For Stefania and Mike and Daniel, I'm Field. We'll see you guys again next Wednesday. Did you just clap for us on the way out?
2: Did I? Was that me? I, I think know. that was
1: you. I can't we believe we didn't get a Sam Laporta reference in no. there.
2: Or Saquon. We didn't talk about Saquon. You think we'll get heat for that? Ooh, yeah, we yeah. will, probably.
0: Yeah.
3: There were enough lions in the podcast. I think
0: podcast. John Robinson is basically just the new version of Saquon, so yeah, I we're think good so.
2: there. But, yeah, we like.
3: No secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all
1: our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance
2: fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. He's dead.